empty backfield. Dak Prescott a run all the way, and he's got a big opening. And a stiff arm, Dak Prescott. This is what he does better than anybody in the SEC. Touchdown. The pick is up. And it is no good. There are flags all over the field. The Bulldogs are celebrating. The result of the play is a touchdown. After the play, unsportsmanlike conduct on all players from both teams. Snap to Wallace. Baker, he keeps it, and he runs it to the five. In the end zone. Pick it up and run it out of the rear of the end zone. And it's a ball game that's in the record book. Bulldogs have won it 17-10 to 10 in overtime. What is up, Bulldog fans? It is your boy, Dogs, today. Here with my co-host, Mighty Light. And this is the post-rivalry week recap, a.k.a. the Lebby announcement. AKA, we got a lot of stuff to talk about. Matt, what's up? How you doing? What's going on? I'm doing good. Um, you know, I'm feeling I'm feeling okay about everything that's happened in the last week. Uh, of course, we lost the Egg Bowl. That's uh, not ideal. But to be honest, I thought that was pretty much a foregone conclusion before it started. And they actually gave me hope, which in one thing, I'm glad we played it. Well, I'm not even going to say decent, but I'm glad our defense played very well compared to what I thought they would. But, uh, you know, I, I figured we were going to lose this game, so I was really pissed off when they gave us hope, and then it, nothing came of it. So, you know, other than that, uh, coaching, carousel, uh, feeling a lot better than Texas A&M fans, I'm sure, I'm sure. What I can guarantee you, Matt, on that regard is – we're probably feeling better than A&M fans. I, I think um, I think they Shiano'd Stoops a little bit. I, I don't know that for sure, and maybe we'll never know. Um, but I can guarantee you that we are all feeling better than Arkansas fans. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, I, you know, you see that meme of Squidward in his house watching SpongeBob and Patrick <laughs> run around outside, and I feel like that's all of Arkansas fans right now, just watching us in Texas A&M run around and get new coaches and then – them just sit there and be like, okay, so we're staying with this losing losing formula. Let's ride. Yeah. Um. So, you know, that's literally the, like, ultimate bold strategy cotton uh, decision by them. I mean, you got two teams in your own division in state who had its worst year in 15-plus years, and you lost to them. And then you have A&M who finally is tired of mediocrity. And they fired their coach too. You lost to you lost to both those guys, and you're four and eight, and you're you're you chose to keep that guy for another year. It's a bold cut. That that that, that <laughs> bold, bold cut. strategy. It's bold strategy. <laughs> it's bold cotton strategy. Um, <laughs> dude, how that that tells me one of two things. One, either your AD and your board, they're they're just idiots i mean just plain and simple like even stupider well at least on par stupid with a&m's ad or b they are having serious financial problems which i just find really hard to believe at that university yeah so uh given it's it's one of those two things um unless you know Pittman has some sort of dirt or blackmail on some guys that work there uh i don't i don't get it but um, this is less about them uh, and more about us. Um, as you said, State uh, drops the Egg Bowl to Ole Miss in a game that, you know, quite frankly, I think we all feared the worst in um, and thought would be a blowout 17-7 uh, to seven loss. State did cover the 10.5-point spread. Um, it, you know, if I'd have told you that we would have had a third-quarter lead and was going to hold Jackson Dart to 96 yards passing. If I would have told you that a week ago, I think you would have taken it. Um, losing is never good, uh, especially to your rival. But um, just I, I felt so much better knowing we were about to get a new coach. Will Rogers went out there, who quite frankly was probably at 80% at best. Uh, and Woody, the same thing. And, and, you know, he did what he could um, with the worst offensive coordinator in the SEC uh, by his side. And, you know, 
they battled. You say what you want, but they they battled, and it was interesting, basically, um, all the way until you know halfway through the the fourth quarter. Um, you know, what were your thoughts on this game? You know, Greg Knox riding out on the four wheeler. Uh, you know, the, the performance from the defense. Will Rogers. You know, third quarter lead. You know, Ferry kind of struggled. Um, and one one kick was you know not good quite frankly and and one kick was a 50 yarder and just hits the crossbar uh and then the the ejection on Deshaun Page that quite frankly changed the entire game yeah no um so I guess really the the overarching thoughts and you know kind of feelings I had about this game like you know if you hold Jackson Dart which has been one of the best quarterbacks in the sec in my mind in in stretching the ball down the field this year and and you know Ole Miss has always or at least in the past couple of years has had a very they they run the ball so they can pass right you know and that right. never really came to fruition this game i mean like you said we held dart uh, he only completed 14 out of 26 passes for 96 yards, averaging 3.7 uh, a completion. Like, if you would have told me before this game started if those were going to be his end-of-game stats, like, how do we not win this football game at that point, in, in, in my mind? I mean, we shut him down, basically, and, I mean, our defense did everything they could to, to shut him down. Uh, towards and, and even... Like they rushed as a team for 211 yards, um, which you know that's three call it 300 yards of total offense for a team. You know that's not anything crazy by any means, especially a Ole Miss offense that is used to being five six hundred yards of offense a game, right? So yeah, you know, quite frankly, our defense just got tired. Yeah, no, absolutely, and that's what I was going to say with the rushing stuff because we really stopped a lot of their rushing stuff until end of third quarter, fourth quarter, and then they started running the ball down our throats because, I mean, our defense has just been on the field the whole game. So, you know, I mean, hats off to the defense. They did everything they could. Uh, with the ejection thing and the targeting, I mean, by the book, yes, it's targeting, but in that situation, how else do you play that? I don't understand. Like, they say, oh, well, it's, that rule is here to, to protect the defenders just as much as it is the the offensive ball mover, you know, and it just, that doesn't make any sense to me. And this fact that we have a quarterback running on third down, trying to get to the yard, uh, the yard to gain, and he dives forward head first, trying to get there. I mean, are our defenders just supposed to stop and just let him get that dive off and get past the line to gain? Or do, do, do we try to stop him? And if you try to stop him, you get ejected for targeting. So, you know, I, I just think, that that was kind of a, like, I understand why they ejected him because by the book, yes, it was targeting, but in that instance, I mean, the, I mean, Dart was just as much at fault for, for that, in my opinion. It is, that's just, that's just kind of an unfortunate event to happen at that point. But yes, it did, did take him out of the game and it did hurt us on defense. Um, as far as Ferry, um, he had a rough game. He only had the two. He had the one extra point and the two field goals. He missed both the field goals. One was wide left that he hooked. Well, I guess he's left-handed, so technically he pushed it. But um, And then the 50-yarder, like you said, that uh, just didn't look like – I mean, it was right down the middle, but just didn't get enough leg on it. looked like he just didn't get all of it. Um, I saw him, you know, post that thing on Twitter. Uh, you know, it was kind of a pseudo-apology to the fans, I guess. But – yeah. Um, you know, I don't. I don't really think that was warranted. I don't think anybody's mad at him for the way that that game ended up. Like, no, you know, the, no. Those, at, the, at the end yeah. of the day, we, we did not lose the game. Cause yeah, I mean, it, no. it, best best case scenario, we lose seventeen to thirteen. Right, I mean, exactly. So it didn't really I mean, change anything. It may have changed how early the offense kind of gave up. I feel like at the end of the game, they gave up uh, after it was a two score game. But I mean. At the end of the day, Kevin Barbet failed this team uh, on Thursday and failed the team, quite frankly, the entire year. Oh, yeah. I, I agree with that. So, you know, Kyle or Mike, if y'all are listening, I, I really don't think uh, – I mean, I, this fan base is behind y'all. Um, I, I think everything that I saw on Twitter was lifting 
lifting Kyle up after that game from most of the Mississippi State fans, which is very nice, but uh, change of pace because most of the times when you have a field goal kicker go out there and miss two of them, the fan base is at their throats, right? So, you know, that that's a nice thing that I saw. But, um, yeah, those were basically my thoughts of the game, you know, being – being down three at halftime, I mean, if you would have told me that before the game started, I'd have taken that up in a heartbeat. I'd have been like, hell yeah, let's do it. Um, so, you know, uh, offense just looked putrid. I mean, we had a few good drives, but they were they were right there at the end of the second quarter and some or one or two of the drives in the, in the third and fourth quarter that it looked like Will was out there calling the plays like Leach would have. It was like short, you yeah. know, out routes. It it looked like the air raid, like that. That was our two minute drill, and it and we we actually moved the ball well. So I mean, that's I feel like it kind of got back to, you know, before Barbe started fucking with everything. So yeah, um, and I feel like maybe uh, healthy Will Rogers, hundred percent healthy Will Rogers, actually wins this game um, with the same defensive performance because uh, they did he did kind of they did kind of air it out more uh, and the thing was like it was very obvious they were calling plays and routes um that were within rogers range because i don't think we saw a ball go farther than 20 yards uh and and the few that we did i mean he was like skipping them off the dirt um and they worked a lot of stuff like toward the sideline uh that was safer that way you know if he you know short-armed it it was probably going to be incomplete or go out of bounds or whatever um he just wasn't healthy. Uh, and yeah. I, I don't think that I haven't seen anything that would make me think Mike Wright would have won this game and will deserved um, 100% to go out there and, and, and try. Uh, and he definitely, definitely gave everything he had. I mean, we saw him lower his shoulder uh, a couple of times uh, and wants to score. So, you know, our, our fan base as a whole really owes Will Rogers an apology. And I've said that for a couple months now, and I'm not going to deny that I wanted to see Mike Wright. Um, but after one game of Mike Wright, I knew that Will Rogers was not the problem yeah. and was easily the best quarterback on the roster. And everybody should be thankful uh, for everything that he did here. And he's going to have a very confusing legacy uh, in Mississippi State history, but he is the second all-time SEC um, passing yards leader uh, and he does hold the record for completions. So, um, you know, just take it easy on the kid. I mean, he, he, he did everything that he was asked to do. Uh, it's not his fault that the system is what it is now. Um, and I know he's most likely going to be gone next year and I wish him the best of luck, uh, to wherever he ends up as long as it's not, um, somewhere in the sec. And even so I'll wish him luck every game of the year, as long as he's not playing us. Yeah. Um, but uh, moving on from that, man, um, did you know we hired a football coach? You know, uh, I did hear something uh, about that. You know, uh, Twitter may have kind of given up the ruse there. I, th- I think uh, I think we do, in fact, have a football coach now, which is a step in the right direction, in my opinion. Yeah, man. So can confirm Jeff Lebby is now your football coach at Mississippi State. Uh, the former Oklahoma offensive coordinator, former Ole Miss offensive coordinator, former UCF OC, and even going back to some days uh, as a position coach at um, Baylor. Uh, Offensive-minded coach, that's what, we, that's what we harped on. That's what we wanted. Um, does he have the head coaching experience? No. Uh, but to be quite honest, there were very few options out there um for people that had head coaching experience that was somebody that would elevate the program and i feel like as far as going the coordinator route goes uh i'm, I'm giving this hire a solid a minus yeah and i i'm happy how do you feel no uh yeah i i am happy of course i would have preferred a head coach but you know so would everybody you know if if we you know but like in the situation that we were in, like you said, there were only so many options out there that had the head coaching title that that would have elevated this program, and that we, you know, could have gone after some some big things that I've already liked about Levy as he showed up wearing an NIL shirt, which is nice that we're gonna 
hopefully have somebody that will push that program, the NIL program, and will also push uh, transfer portal stuff because, I mean, that's what we need is a coach, I mean, that is going to come in here and get some guys out of the portal that are going to make us competitive next year. You know, let's, I mean, with the years gone of having to sit out everywhere you go, I mean, with this transfer portal stuff, we could we could have a uh, – we don't have to have a rebuilding year if we play our cards right, you know. And I'm yeah. not getting too far ahead of myself here, but offensive-wise, offensive head coach, that's a plus in my book. NIL, that's a plus. Uh, transfer portal, that's a plus. So I think if he surrounds himself with some good, some good staff, preferably a good defensive coordinator, I feel like – this is going to be a step in the right direction. Of course, you know, he, he's the OC without head coaching uh, experience coming in. I mean, we look back the last, other than Leach, the last three coaches we've hired have been coordinators before. Of course, Mullen was the OC. He turned out okay. Moorhead most definitely did not. Um, and then Leach, of course. And then, you know, Arnett, which I don't even really count Arnett. That doesn't. In, in my mind, that was not a actual hire. So, you know, we'll see how it goes. I hope he, he can step into the role and, and fulfill it correctly and efficiently. And I'm excited to see what happens because I, I've kind of bought back in already so far. So we'll see. Yeah, I mean, on the Arnett thing, um, I, I have learned a lot of things in the last week about how that transpired. Um, about what he was told um, and about what the locker room thought about him. Uh, and they are not good. None of it is good. I'm not going to go into too much detail, uh, but I found a quote from Nick Saban from SEC Media Days in the summer. Um, he, he, Arnett told Saban, this, this is, and I quote, if we don't win, they're going to find a new coaching staff. That's the way it works end quote. Um, so if he knew that ahead of the season when he hadn't even coached a game outside the bowl game, which he won last year, um, I mean, I, I don't – people think that Mississippi State is, is a high-pressure job already because of the, the sequence of events with our last – what is now five coaches, which is absolutely insane to think about. We're, we're uh, five coaches in like an eight-year span. Um, he he was under more pressure than I already thought he was, and I think, well, I don't think I think uh, I know by the the Kentucky weekend, um, the day after that game, he was he was already it was done, uh, and I it, it, the ball really started rolling before that, so. I, I say this to say that he, he was an interim. He 100% was an interim coach. Uh, the players did not buy into him. They they saw the writing on the wall a long time ago, uh, and they didn't play for him. And that's why you saw these guys get up and play for Greg Knox. Uh, if Arnett coaches that Egg Bowl, we probably lose by 40. You know, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I really feel that to be true. Uh, but – but on Levy, man, um, this is right exactly what we needed. I mean, unless you were going to get a, a guy like like Jed or Leipold, um, this is the next best thing. This is one, one, a probably a top five coordinator in the country, and we just did not need to do the defensive thing anymore. Yeah, well, I mean, um, he was. I mean, he had the number four offense this year. Throughout the whole season, so you know that's a plus. I'm, I'm glad you. I'm glad you brought that up, Matt, because I got some numbers here for you. Okay? Oh, some numbers. I like numbers. I got some numbers. So uh, I updated the stats to include, um, you know, last weekend. You know, Oklahoma put up a nice 69 points on TCU. By the way, uh, so I got everything updated. I have it broken down in points per game and yards per game over the last five years uh, in a Jeff Levy offense. So. Uh, 23 and 22 will be Oklahoma, 21-20 will be Ole Miss, and then 2019 will be UCF. Uh, and I'll start from the top. Uh, points for points per game this year for Oklahoma, second in the country. Yards, third. 2022, 
points per game. 25th, but yards is 11th. 2021, points per game was 29th, but yards was 6th. Um, I think a lot of that comes down to Kiffin having his hand in, in, in Levy's uh, back pocket and uh, breathing over his shoulder and also probably going for it on, like, every <laughs> single fourth down. <laughs> yeah. Um, that might have affected the points per game a little bit. Yeah, you get all the way down the field to the 15 yeah. or go for it. Don't make it. Yeah, and have to kick exactly. Field or, like, or we already got some more points. Right, we already got some more points if you just kicked uh, instead of going for it every time. Yeah. Uh, 2020, uh, points per game, 14th, yards, third. And 2019 at UCF, they were sixth in points per game and also third in yards. Um, those are some pretty encouraging numbers, okay? Uh, Mississippi State, just to give you a feeler of, of where we are this year, um, do you want to guess wh where we rank in yards per game? Last. Okay, this is all of Power 5. Keep that in mind. Second to last. I was last. Big shocker. Um, <laughs> it's not that bad, but we're at 114 out of 133. That's not ideal. That That is not ideal. Um, and then I will flip it over to points, in which I'm going to go ahead and assume uh, is going to be pretty rough as well. Uh, but it's going to be inflated by a couple of non-conference games. Where the hell are we? And South Carolina, which had, you know, one of the worst defenses in the SEC. Uh, 112. So 112 uh, and 113 or whatever out of 133. Um, you're in the bottom 20% uh, in P5. That's, that's pretty criminal. And um, Kevin Barbet owes... Will Rogers an apology? An apology. He owes Woody Marks an apology. He owes all of our receivers an apology, and he owes our fan base an apology. And he might owe Zach Arnett an apology because he probably got him fired. You know, it, Arnett had every right to change the offense, but what were we told all off season about what this offense was going to look like? It was going to be easier to go back to this offense, and it was going to be good. And they were going to run air raid concepts, and they were going to stretch the ball down the field. And Will was, <laughs> yeah, you know, going to be more comfortable, and it wasn't going to be as predictable. Oh bullshit! This was one of the worst offenses I've seen since Sylvester Croom. This is this is worse than a, a Croom offense, from what I can remember. Uh, I mean, the the ineptitude, the the inability. We averaged six and a half points in conference play, Matt. Those are some big numbers, baby. I am. Um, I'm ashamed of the product that was on the field this year. Selman definitely was too. He addressed it. We now have an offensive coach uh, and a guy that's young, a guy that turns 40 in January, a guy that's going to use the portal. Like you say, this is not an era or a day and age where you have to accept, um, hey, we're going to suck the next year, maybe the next two years because we have to build. No, man. You can, I mean, we're not going to win 12 games next year, but, you know, if, if he puts this thing together right, I mean, there's no reason that we can't win six, seven, eight games next year. Uh, and I, I think anybody, as, as long as we're putting points up in the board and not getting carried by defense for whatever reason, which that won't happen, but, like, that would be the only way where people would be like, oh, what the hell is going on if the offense sucks? That's not going to happen. I mean, he's got to get a quarterback for sure. Uh, and he's got to piece together an offensive line, but man, there was like almost, I want to say it was over 4,000 players in the portal last year. Yeah. There, there, there's no reason why a guy that has put, you know, all these guys, McKenzie Milton, Matt Corral, now Dylan Gabriel, that is, has had this quarterback success over the last five years alone, uh, can't get that done and you know rg3 is vouching for him uh on twitter i mean that i mean that guy won a heisman they were at baylor at the same time so um if he can get kendall brawls away from tcu especially if he is going to hire an oc which we don't even know that he will but if he does uh watch out because his team's going to be dangerous yeah 
No, and and I was I was actually going to bring up the Kendall Bryles thing from TCU because I you know I've heard rumblings about that. I don't know if any if we've seen anything from any decent sources from that. But I was just talking to my roommate about it, and of course he's a TCU fan, and you know he's been yelling at the TV all year to fire their defensive coordinator, um, but hadn't had much to say about the offensive coordinator. So that's a good thing, and I guess they put up forty something against Oklahoma, and Oklahoma put up sixty nine. So if you've got the 40-something and the 69-something both on the same team, that, that looks good for our offense, right? Yeah, and, you know, I went through, uh, you know, TCU did not have a good year this year, um, but that was very seldom the offense's fault. Uh, you know, we're talking numbers and back on points per game. Let's let's see. You would think a 5-7 a, a and seven team would rank, like, pitifully low because we did you know we were 113 tcu was 42nd yeah i mean you got a almost a top 40 offense with a, with a five and seven team uh that might be an indicator that your defense is ass yes and uh that is the overwhelming opinion of my roommate is he does not like the defense yeah there you go um you know it's crazy how how hard they they fell off uh georgia literally broke them um but anyway man uh you know another another positive from the levy hire i've seen is some of our players that i thought may or may not be back next year because of the transfer portal seem to have seem to like the hire i'm talking specifically offensive players but they seem to like it so far so that's a good that's a good thing i've even seen the the (laughs) defensive players pump man because i mean Think about it. I mean, you may think, oh, they don't. It doesn't really matter until they see their defensive coordinator. Well, not necessarily true. I mean, think about how many times this year that our offense went three and out, and our defense literally just got down to get a drink of water, and it's like mid third quarter, just like the Egg Bowl, and they're like, "Damn it, we got to go back out there again." I'm like, I'm sick of this shit. Yeah, like they got to be like, "Damn, bro, we're about to have an offense that uh, is going to, you know, let us rest for a little bit." Like. I mean, it's got to be a, a, a weight lifted off their shoulders to actually think, man, well, at least I know I'm not going to be out there on the field the entire game next year. You know, like, I, I want to stay. You know, I want to be a complete team. I want to play for this guy. Uh, but on the offensive players, like you're saying, I felt pretty good about Xavion coming back just because he signed that Google NIL deal like a week ago. Uh, but, I, I mean, Unless there's a big change of events, I'm 95% sure Tuli's coming back. I mean, he said it multiple times on live stream yesterday. Um, so that's two playmakers right there that have been underused their entire career. And uh, I feel like Levy's going to know how to get them the ball. Yeah. We just got to get a quarterback that can get them the ball. That's yeah. step one. And, uh, man, if we get, you know, Dylan Gabriel will get grad transfer status if he chooses to do that. And if we get OU's QB, uh, QB one or QB two, because Lebby is the reason they sign. They sign like the number four overall player in the class or something like that. Um, that is Dylan's backup, and he's a, like a ninety-nine overall five-star quarterback. I mean, crazier things have happened. Um, it's just nice, man. We've been this defensive brand for so long. And I feel like that is very – it's been through any coaching change and through almost every defensive coordinator not named Peter Sermon or Matt Brock. Uh, and even at times this year, the defense was really good. Um, it, I think it's just the type of players that we're getting in the state. Uh, they just – you know, they're, they're dogs, man. They just play defensive ball. I feel like if you pair that with Lebby's offense – like this could be a really, really dangerous team in three or four years. Uh, so I, I hope he, you know, obviously smashes the defensive coordinator higher out of the park. Um, it's just, it's going to be so refreshing, like scoring, you know, it, you know, it'd be nice to just see like 20 something points on an SEC team. Yeah, no, it would. Uh, I mean, I would like to score into even into the double digits every once in a while, that would that would make me really excited because I'm tired of watching our offense go three and out every single time. 
it gets it gets boring after a while. I, I have to say. Yeah, it's um, it it makes you really contemplate uh, your life. Uh, but man, yeah, it's gonna be exciting. Uh, but you know, the players are one thing. But let me ask you about this. Um, there's been you know he apparently in the team meeting he told the guys that he. He's, he's going to bring in a bunch of a bunch of coaches, and I, and from what I've heard, he he may be like completely cleaning house. Uh, there's a couple coaches I'd like to see stay, but you know, do you think the risk versus reward of, of like let's say Chad Bumpus, the big name for example, like firing Bump, you may be at risk of losing JJ Harrell, Braylon Birdside's already out of the boat, you know. Do we need to retain some of these guys that know the state, that know the high school coaches, that know the footprint, that know the administration and the locker room and in the, their current recruiting class, even though it's not good? Like, how important is that? And is it is it better, even though we all have this emotional attachment to Bump, is it better just to say, hey, Bump, like, thank you for your time. But, like, I'm going to go my own direction. Like, hey, Greg Knox, like, thank you for your time. David Turner, et cetera, et cetera. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, I've always been a fan of Bump. Uh, I really would not like to see him go. I, I feel like having a few guys on staff that do know the state and know these guys personally uh, that you're recruiting is definitely a plus. So, you know, I mean, I don't know how deep he's going to be cleaning house and how, how many of these new guys or new coaches he's, he's planning on bringing in. Of course, no one does at this point. I guess my opinion would be my opinion would be to keep bump and to keep maybe one or two of the other guys but you know as far as most of the coaching things I I don't really have a problem with him bringing in in his guys like I understand he wants guys around him that he knows that he trusts and you know that's that's good hey if we win games that's fine um but I I, I do think there is still a plus to having Mississippi guys that know the 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 what's the word I'm trying to think of that know the landscape around here, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and I, I I think that's valuable, and I really I I don't think that they should completely throw that that plus out the window, but you know we'll see how it goes. Uh, I really I really think that I. Yeah, I guess that that's pretty much my thing. Like, I would like to see some guys continue to be in the locker room that know the landscape of Mississippi and these players. That would that would definitely help. But I also think that you know he has the right to do what he wants to do. And I and I and I, and for right now, I'm going to trust him to bring in his guys and the guys that he wants. But I think you know, I, I think throwing away that that whole thing would would probably be a mistake. Yeah, I mean, and there's always the option of like, hey, why don't y'all take an off the field role? Like Tony Hughes, off the, like I think he already has an off the field role. Like he used to be a position coach too. Uh, you know, maybe make Greg Knox, maybe be like, hey man, like just be be an analyst, be a recruiting assistant. Well, that wasn't you can Greg get... Knox off the field this year? I don't even remember what his I thought. Was. I thought he was like the offensive, like dude, analytics so guy or something many... like that. Let, let's look at Greg Knox's wiki, dude. I, he has coached like seven different positions in his career. Um, let's see. Yeah, I thought he was like the offensive okay. analyst let, or something like that. Let, let, SOA. What is it? What is that? Some Something offensive analyst? Coaching probably? career. Interim head coach. Yeah, SOA. Yeah, I thought it was the the offensive analyst is what I was under the impression he was this yeah, year. Yeah, so like keep him, keep Tony Hughes, and Bump's probably not going to go for it, but like just be like, hey man, we'd love to have you here, but like I need you to take a different role. I mean, it, people get this emotional attachment to players that – played here and now coach here because that's a special thing. And Bump was literally one of my favorite players growing up. Um, but there's another side to the coin of 
Okay, yeah, maybe you lose J.J. Harrell because Bump's not coming here. Um, but what about the guy? What What if Levy hires a, a receiver coach from Oklahoma or Texas or UC, Tennessee, wherever, and they, they've already got three or four four-stars that they've recruited to their class and they, and they flip those guys over here. That That's what people don't think about. Like people are so worried about losing what they do have. They don't think about what else is out there that they could actually gain, uh, you know, in, in that risk, if you will. Um, there's two sides of that coin, no doubt. And I, I just feel like people need to keep that in mind. Um, Bump will be back one day. He will be back 100%. If he's, if he is let go by Levy, I can guarantee you he'll be back. He wants to be here. Um, you know, th things will either go one or two ways with Levy. Uh, he will either do great and he will get a really good job in five to seven years. Or he will not do so great and there will be a new staff. Yeah. Those, those are your options. Because uh, do I think a 40-year-old coach is going to coach here the rest of his career? No, I don't. So, uh, it's going to be okay, guys. It's, it's, it's going to be all right. Um, uh, transitioning from that on transfers, uh, over under four and a half transfers from the University of Oklahoma coming here, in your opinion. Four and a half? Yeah, so four or less or five or more. I would like it to be the over. Yeah, I think the I should think I, a couple. Already. Should I white, I, I don't know. white girl manifest it to be the over? I'm manifesting. Yeah, sure, manifesting yeah, six transfers. Go for it. That's I'm what, curious I'm, that's what I'm manifesting. Yeah, I'm no, you. I've definitely seen some stuff on the Twitter.com or X.com, whatever the hell it is now. Um, I still call it Twitter. Always. Yeah, call. everybody calls it Twitter. But uh, I've definitely seen some rumblings about some players that have either already decommitted or maybe you're thinking about entering the transfer portal from Oklahoma, which is a good sign, uh, I think. So we'll see. I mean, if we can get some of those guys over here. I mean, they're coming to the SEC, so we don't really have that that to go off of. It's it's like SEC versus SEC now, so it's more like come play for the guy that you signed to play for kind of thing, you know, which I'm I'm perfectly okay with. Let's bring him on. Everybody's welcome. Yeah, and and you know, depending on who he gets defensively, you know, maybe there's some guys that are frustrated um, on the defensive side of the ball just with playing time, or you know, the fact that they suck at defense, even though they have a defensive head coach at at Oklahoma. I mean, there's there's multiple multiple reasons, and uh, you know, we we'll we'll see how it plays out. There's a long way to go. I think the portal opens officially. You can put your name in it, but I think it opens uh, December 2nd, maybe? Uh, something like that. Um, but, you know, we, we only know so much right now. Uh, but what we do know, Matt, is the se regular season is over. State is, uh, I think, was the last team left out of um, the 5-7 and seven availability to get a bowl, which I would like the money, but uh, I think it's a good thing. I think it's um, will be good for... For Levy to be able to talk to the players, get to know them, uh, assess his needs in the portal, and build his staff. Uh, but what else we know is we can now look at the end-of-season report cards for Ooh. every team in the conference. I don't want to do that for us. Oh, Matt. For, uh, for state or for us individually? Because I, for one, would love to look at the report cards. And uh, if you don't want do yours you don't have to but we're going to talk about mine uh because i've just had so many people uh just come after me because i am one game off of the prediction for the 12 game schedule yeah uh and and as far as i'm concerned if you get it within a game you're spot on and if you get it within two games you still know ball, uh, and beyond two games, you were off. I don't know ball. You may not know ball. I didn't know <laughs> ball on a on a couple, and uh, one of which was us. 
um, which I did not foresee. We were lied to. We were just straight up lied to, man. We got a coordinator that said he was going to run air raid concept, and then, and and that was ass. Before we before our reboot, straight we up, we were one thousand percent. Let me ask you this, Matt. Before I read my report card, let's say, oh my gosh, I just found Luke's receipt of saying we would be eleven and one. Uh, let's say that Steve Spurrier Jr. was our offensive coordinator this year. We still were in the air raid, and and just retained him as well. Matt Brock's still here. Um, what would our record have been? I'm trying to look back. <clears throat> Possibly eight and four. Mm-hmm. I think we still lose to Bama. Um, yeah. We definitely still lose to Bama. Um, LSU. Uh, definitely lose to LSU. Um, I think we win that South Carolina game. Um, we win. I think we have a good chance to win the Egg Bowl if our defense plays exactly how it did the, the other night. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Um, uh, that, that leaves Kentucky and Auburn would be the other two that you're just like, you know, do you think? Yeah, that's what I'm – That's those are the ones that I was looking at. Like, the Auburn game, we just kind of got out of – kind of got out of hand a little quicker than I would have liked it to. Yeah, it was like we played good in the second half. We only held them three points, but like we still lost by uh by fourteen. Right, exactly. Uh, I would like I would like to think maybe we would split that series. Yeah, so I mean, I'm looking so at that'd be eight and four. Yeah, eight and four is kind of what I was thinking. Um, yeah, LSU we lose. I I just got the schedule pulled up in front of me. So yeah, on the games that we lost, I think we still lose LSU. We win South Carolina, so that's one. Alabama's still an L. Uh, Arkansas, of course, still a win. Auburn, I mean, yeah, I, Auburn, and I think we still lose to A and M. Yeah, they they smoked the shit out of us with their third string quarterback. We, yeah, that, that but that's off to them. The Auburn, Kentucky, I mean, put up three points against Kentucky at home. I mean, that is just sad. Um, and the, and the Auburn, uh, yeah. So and then toss up eight and four is is kind of where I would put us. If that were the case, yeah, yeah, I'm with you there. Um, just curious. I mean, and that's where our head was at. We we did not know, and I thought the defense would be better. But even the defense being as bad as it was for most games, I feel like if we had a above, like a middle of the pack offense in the conference, even like the seven, six, seven, eight range, like we were going seven and five, if not eight and four, but. Yeah. Uh, we were lied to, and it's all good. So, that being said, um, we'll start from the top to the bottom on my preseason predictions, which uh, had at the time had eighty-five bookmarks. It's now now down to sixty-three because uh, people unbookmarked it. Um, I had Alabama, Crimson Tide, eleven and one conference record, eight and zero. I'd say that's pretty pretty spot on. I'd, I'd say I hit on that one. Um, in case y'all were wondering, the loss was Texas and not South Florida that I predicted. Uh, so on the money, we'll go. I'm writing down on the money with Bama. Okay. Is this you gloating on Twitter haters? Is that why we're doing this right here? Uh, why would you say such a thing? <laughs> um, number two. Uh, Missed a little bit on, um, but I got the order right. Well, no, I, well, technically, no, I didn't. I missed a little bit. I was two games off. I had LSU at eleven and one. Um, they went nine and three. Uh, you know, I thought that they were going to avenge themselves versus Florida State. They did not do that. And then, of course, um, I thought they would take care of Ole Miss, in which they managed to to choke that game away. So, um, we'll we'll have uh, I'll. I'll say uh, two wins off is in, in the ballpark on LSU, which I'm curious on how they're feeling about Brian Kelly right now. Um, moving on from them, uh, going down, I said A&M would be eight and four. That would also be in the ballpark uh, or close to the to the money. We'll call it on third base because um, they went seven and five. 
So after that, uh, I had stayed eight and four. I was off there. Uh, so what's on the missed column? We got MSU. I had Ole Miss at eight and four as well. I had the the middle three teams eight and four. They went ten and two, obviously. Uh, so we'll call that in the ballpark. Um, in the sixth spot, I had, which is hilarious. I <laughs> I had Arkansas at seven and five. They went four and eight. So as bad as I thought, I, I thought they were going to be a game better than a year ago, and they were ended up being a couple games worse. Um, so miss on Arkansas. So that's that's two. Auburn, I had five and seven. They went six and six. So and they for sure let you know about it too. Oh man, they came out when they uh beat us in Vanderbilt and you know got uh <laughs> got got these wins and then they smoked the shit out of a terrible Arkansas team and we're like we're gonna we're gonna go at least seven and five and dude they got just teabagged by New Mexico State <laughs> and then had a and then had a chance to redeem themselves <laughs> versus Bama and they got dick punched by Bama on their in their own stadium and uh, it was very hilarious to see the, all the videos I saw on Twitter way. of the Auburn fans like recording themselves on that last mm-hmm. play to like show how excited they were that they just beat Bama and then they complete the pass on fourth and forever. And they're all you can just see the life draining out of all of them. And it's glorious. It, it has been um, it's been fun to see, uh, to say the least. Uh, so yeah, that, that rounds up the West there. Um, let's get to the East. Okay. UGA. I had 12 and 0. That'd be on the money. Tennessee. I, uh, I had it 10 and two. They finished eight and four. Um, so I was in the, in the ballpark, but a little off, uh, Kentucky. I had uh nine and three. They finished seven and five. I was a little off there as well. Um, South Carolina, I had five and seven. This is a team that I knew was going to be bad, and they were bad. They went five and seven. On the money there as well. Uh, Florida, I had four and eight. Um, I said that they, if, if they managed a six and six season, that it would be a success. Uh, they met it in the middle. They went five, seven, five and seven. So I was a game off there. Um, Vanderbilt, I had four and eight and they disappointed me man they they went two and ten after i think they started two and oh um <laughs> but they're still pretty bad that's i was tough. in the park there you uh, lose, but you win the first two games and lose every single one after that that is a tough year yeah agreed um but man who who i really owe an apology to is the missouri tigers yeah I think we all owe Missouri an apology. You know, there were some people outside. I don't know Brandon Walker even saw this coming. To be honest, and no offense, Missouri, y'all are so irrelevant to me and not even in the South that I did not do any research at all. I I knew that y'all were returning a bunch of production from a year ago, but you went seven and five a year ago. Uh, But I was not sold on your quarterback situation because it was they didn't even name a starter till like two days before their first game uh so that was a red flag to me and quite honestly i thought they would lose to a moderately hard schedule like i i thought can the state would beat them just like they did last year um that didn't happen uh so i was horribly off on missouri but i got 10 of the 14 right and um you know or 11 of the 14 i was in the ballpark on uh i'll I'll take that i mean i never i never sat down and made this and said every single team is gonna go exact of course i like i had some people telling me i was like an arrogant piece of shit because i put out a prediction like 
it was for fun. I mean, I, I, I did it to the best of my knowledge and who I knew, but I'm not an insider on all 14 teams in the conference. Uh, but I guarantee you if you, if you put it up against on three sports or whoever, uh, I was much closer than they were. I can get, I promise you. I hate on three. Uh, no, on, I three, hate on, three too. on three is a choke of a program. Uh, but also what I do remember on us, Matt, is when we were doing state's preseason prediction, right before the season started, I said, um, Matt, what do you think our worst case scenario would be for state? Like worst case as in if Will Rogers went down. And you know what we both said? Five and seven. Five and seven. <laughs> well and uh that was so, our four, it seems. Chalk chalk that up as a is a hit for the both of us, because we still know ball, brother. <laughs> we still know ball. Uh we just didn't know Missouri ball. So you know, uh, outside of that, I mean thing shit happens. Uh but we had a plethora of excuses. What's Arkansas's excuse? A what? Plethora. Plethora. Plethora? Yeah. Plethora? Are we on are we in Avatar or something? What's Arkansas's excuse, Matt? Uh, they have a coach with man titties. They do, and no Twitter, and, and apparently no another year at his job, no offensive line, and uh, you know, while we're at it, he may be out at quarterback. KJ Jefferson may be a bulldog next year, brother. Oh, you think? If Kendall Browles comes to state, and we don't get Dylan Gabriel. KJ Jefferson has got to be at the top of their list. I'm not saying that's who I want necessarily because he's dealt with a lot of injuries, but uh, I mean, Brawls was in Arkansas. He he knows he knows KJ. He knows how he works, and don't rule it out. And he's Mississippi. He's sorry. He's from Sardis. Oh yeah, I forgot he was. Yeah. Dan, I mean, he'd, he'd have been a Dan Mullen player if Dan was still here, 100%. He would have been filthy. Um, but, man, I, I am excited for the future. Uh, I'm excited to see how this portal class, recruiting class, and staff comes together. Um, and uh, I just I cannot wait uh, to, to just move forward and not see the product that I saw on the field this year. I never want to see that trash again. Yeah, um, does Barbe get a job in college football at all next year? I hope not. I hope he's a freaking taxi driver or an Uber he, driver. He was the Chad Morris of offensive coordinators. Yeah. He lied to us. He lied straight uh, to our faces. Yeah, I we might need to check out his resume and bet that for future programs. But anyway, <laughs> man, it's been good. Uh, pump for the program. Um, both the state – Men's and women's basketball are undefeated, uh, both currently ranked uh, as of a couple hours ago 21st. at 21. Hey. 21st, and both AP polls uh, get, you know, everybody needs to get on the board there. Matt, get, be a shooty hoop guy, uh, and before you know it, baseball will be here in February. But uh, this is uh, the last regular season assessment of Talking Dogs for the football season. It's It's been real. It hasn't fun. been fun, <laughs> and it hasn't been real fun. <laughs> uh, but that being said, man, um, talking dogs out. Talk to you all later.